0: Good evening, Westover, whether you're joining us in the room or joining us online, we're so delighted that you're with us today. Today I have the great privilege of continuing a series that we began last week entitled Storm Seasons, Storm Seasons, and I don't know if you know this, but we actually are in what's traditionally known as the storm season, where we have flash floods and tornadoes and hurricanes, but I want to reassure you that I'm not here to talk about weather storms, I'm actually here to talk to you about how you can weather the storms of life. And I don't know if if you know this, but if you don't happen to be in a storm season right now, it's very likely that sometime in the future, you're going to face a storm. And I want to give you some thoughts today that will help you push away the worry, push away the concern, push away the chaos, and focus on what is really important. Whenever I've been in a storm season, what I often need is I need peace. I need God's peace to come in to my circumstance. And so today I want to share with you on the topic, peace in the storm. Peace in the storm. And if there's one idea I want to anchor, all that we talk about today is this one idea. That Jesus, he has the power to proclaim peace over your storm. Jesus has the power to proclaim peace over your storm. You can rely on him to declare peace In your situation. And so I want to invite you to join me in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. And we actually have the notes in the Westover app, so I invite you to open up the Westover app and follow along with us. But before I get into the text, I want to give you a little bit of the pretext of what is happening in Luke chapter 8. But in order to get that information, we actually have to go to the book of Matthew. Now I'm not inviting you to turn to Matthew, but I'm gonna be reading, I'm gonna be discussing some thoughts from Matthew chapter eight because this story actually appears not only in Matthew, it appears in Mark and also in the book of Luke. It's a very significant story in the lives of the disciples. So I wanna share what is happening from Matthew eight. It just so happens that Jesus is in the city of Capernaum and the city of Capernaum is Peter's hometown. And Peter says to Jesus, 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 guess what? My mother-in-law is sick. Will you come over to the house? And when I thought about this, I realized that Peter, he's kind of like me. He's a good son-in-law. And I just want to remind Miss Denise, I'm a great son-in-law just like Peter. (laughs) But more importantly, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then he walks out into the city and he begins to heal other people. And there happened to be people in the city of Capernaum who were in bondage to the enemy. And so what he does in that moment is he sets them free from the oppression of the enemy. He sets them free. And this is an important fact. I want you to keep this in mind. He sets them free. And then he says to his disciples, let's go ahead and get in the boat. And this is where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 8, verse 22 and following. Let's read together. One day Jesus said to his disciples... Let's go over to the other side of the lake So they got into the boat and set out and as they sailed He fell asleep A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger The disciples went and woke him and saying master master we're going to drown In one of the other gospels they say jesus. Don't you care that we are about to drown? This is what jesus did he got up And rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Verse 25 Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Jesus, we come to you today. Some of us have chaos, we have worry. We have anxiety in our heart And we need you even now To declare peace Over the storm that we're experiencing I pray, Holy Spirit, that even in this moment You would begin the process Of proclaiming peace to the storms That your people are facing We entrust this to you In Jesus' name, amen So today I want to share with you Four steps that we can take To experience peace In the storm The first step is to trust his word. Verse 22 tells us, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Now, some of you may not realize, but I actually grew up in a very small town. And when I mean a small town, I mean a teeny tiny town. Growing up, for most of the time that I lived there, there was only one stoplight. And even to this day, we don't even have Walmart. And if you live in a small town, one of the things that you know is that you get small town directions because in small towns not all of the roads have road signs. And so when somebody's giving you directions they're saying, "Go past the blinking light, look for the tree that's kind of angled like this, look for a boulder that's about this big, find the yellow house and then go a couple miles and then we're the only house on the right-hand side." And I'll just tell you, there are certain people who are really good at giving small town directions and then there are some other people where I had to ask them a couple of times, are you sure this is the way I need to go? I didn't have confidence because I didn't know if they were going to get me there. Now, fortunately, I live in a time when I have GPS on my phone and I can get wherever I need to go. But recently, recently I had an experience with Siri. I was expecting Siri and her friends to help me, but she didn't help me. And it just so happened that we were traveling out of town, and we were taking a detour, and she took us through a small town. And it's apparent to me that Siri does not know anything about small town directions. Because she told us to go down this street and to make a right, but that road was closed. And then she told us to go straight, and then there was some sort of detour, and then she told us to go to the left. And guess what? It was a dead end. And I said, this is ridiculous. Siri does not know what she's doing. And I began to lose faith in her. I began to stop trusting her. And some of us, we've reached that point in our faith walk with the Lord where we think Jesus is kind of like Siri. We've begun to lose faith in him. But I want you to know today, church, that you can trust the word of God. What he says, he will do, he will accomplish. You can rely on him. He is faithful. He will get you to where you need to go. But often when we encounter storms, they lower our confidence in him. And often what happens, even in my own life, is that the enemy begins to whisper lies to me and to you. Here are three lies that the storm often tells us. Number one, you're all alone. Sometimes the enemy wants to convince you that you're all alone, that nobody is with you. And I think this is what happened to the disciples. They got right in the middle of the storm, they began to worry. They forgot that Jesus was in the boat. And they began to say, Lord, we're all alone. We're all alone. But Jesus, he promises us in Deuteronomy 31.6 that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You don't have to worry about it. You'll never be alone. The second lie that we have, to, we have to work through when we face a storm is that it will never get better. I don't know about you, but i felt that sometimes. There are moments when I've been in a storm season and it feels like a storm existence. It feels like the storm is just gonna continue to go and to go and to go. And I wanna reassure you with this verse from Psalm 34, 17. It says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. I want you to know that the storm season that you are in right now will end. Jesus will see to it that it will end. And the third and final lie that we have to have to deal with is you're never going to make it. I have felt this in my own heart. You're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. It's never going to get better. You're never going to make it. The thing that he promised, it's never going to happen. You're never going to make it. You're going to stay stuck in the middle of the storm. You're going to stay stuck in the middle of the lake. But this is what Jesus says in verse 22. Let us go over to the other side of the lake. He told them, you and I, we will make it. He didn't say, just I will make it. He says, let us. And I want to tell you in confidence that not only is he telling you that you're going to make it, but your spouse is going to make it, your family is going to make it, your extended family is going to make it. You can trust in God. He will make sure that you get to your destination. And here's what I want to do to wrap all of that up, is don't doubt in the storm what Jesus told you on the shore. Don't doubt in the storm what Jesus told you on the store, on the shore. We need to allow faith to arise within us. We need to have confidence in Him that He's going to get us to where we need to be. This is what Hebrews 11:1 says. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. We don't have to see the shore church to believe that He's going to get us there. We just have to have confidence in Him. We just have to trust in Him. We just have to believe in Him. Faith is not by sight. It's by believing in Jesus Christ. And this is what it says in Isaiah 55, 11, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. His word does not return void. What he whispered to you on the shore, he will accomplish. Don't get distracted. Trust him. He will get you where you need to go. The second step to experiencing peace in the storm is to invite him in. Verse 22 and 23 says, So they got in a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. What I've discovered in my own faith walk is that Jesus only steps into situations when he's invited in. He has to be invited into our circumstance. He has to be invited into our life. We must be willing to give him permission to step into our experience. And can I also say that I think think the disciples had a moment of amnesia in the midst of that. They forgot that they had invited Jesus into the boat. They forgot. Now, let me just ask you this. Do you think that Jesus would let the boat that he's in sink? Do you think he would let that boat sink? I'm thinking absolutely not. He's not going to let the boat sink. With Jesus in the boat, you may get swamped, but you won't sink. That's the confidence that we have in him. We may get swamped by the storm of life, but you and you and you and you and you, you will not sink because he is faithful. He will get you there. That's why we as believers, we need to invite him into our life. And in just a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to invite him into your life. Because in order for him to proclaim peace over the storm that is in your life, he has to be in the boat. And we're going to give you an opportunity for you to invite him into your life so that then, once he's in your life, he can proclaim peace over your storm. Now, some of you may be saying, yes, pastor, I get it. I get it. I know that he's there with me, but I think he's asleep. I think he does not care about what's happening in my life. Recently, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my daughter came into into my room in the middle of the night. And she got about six inches away from my face and she whisper yelled, she said, dad, dad. And I was right in the middle of a dream. I don't know what I was dreaming about, but all of a sudden I heard this yell in my dream and I woke up and I had to crawl through the fog to try to figure out what was going on. And it was my daughter. I realized it was her. And once the fog cleared, I noticed that she was crying. And I said, sweetheart, what's wrong? And she said, dad, I'm scared. I'm scared. I said, baby girl, what are you scared? She said, I had a nightmare. And in the nightmare, I thought that someone was breaking into the house and was going to steal me away from you. Let me just pause here. My wife and I, we didn't watch any scary show. We didn't watch some sort of crazy documentary with our kids. In fact, what happened earlier in the day is that our daughter asked us about Stranger Danger. She wanted to understand. I've heard stranger danger, what is what is it? We told her, well, if somebody comes up to you and they offer you a bike or candy or to, to give you a ride and you don't know who they are, you can tell them, no, thank you. I'm gonna go with my parents. And we thought we'd solved the issue, but what we didn't account for as an unintended consequence was the fact that my daughter had a nightmare. So once I realized that she was having this terrified moment, what I did is I grabbed her by the hand and then I picked her up and I walked her back to her room. And as we sat on the side of the bed, I said this to her. I said, Alexis, I'm your father. And it's my job to protect you. And I want to promise you that no one's going to break in the house. And even if they do, they have to come through me. Because I'm your dad and it's my job to protect you. Nothing's going to come against you. And as I was preparing this message, I felt like the Lord was whispering. He says, I am your father. It's my job to protect you from the enemy. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to provide peace. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. You can rely on me. Now with me sleeping, was I being dismissive to my daughter? No, I didn't even know that she was struggling, but she took the time to wake me up and to let me know. And sometimes what we gotta do is we gotta go to the Lord in confidence saying, God, I'm facing a difficult situation. I need you to help me out. You know, some of you may be saying, well, what's this whole thing about Jesus falling asleep? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us, but this is the JMV, the Jonathan Musset version. My perspective is this, is that Jesus was communicating to to his disciples' confidence in what he had said. He said, let's go to the other side of the lake. So him falling asleep was saying, we're going to make it. I'm in the boat. It's no big deal. I also think what he was trying to communicate to them is that the storms of life don't impact him at all. The storms of life don't impact him at all. And I want you to realize that church is that the storms of life don't impact him. He can fall asleep and be at complete peace. And he wants us to experience the same thing in our life. But if you sense that God is being silent, don't mistake God's silence for his absence. If he's in your life, he's in the boat with you. You will not sink. You will get to the other side. Trust in him. The third step to experiencing peace in your life is to ask him for peace. We simply have to ask him for peace. Verse 24 and 25 says this, he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Jesus has the authority to proclaim peace over your life. In fact, I wanna suggest to you that he has been eagerly waiting for the opportunity to declare peace over you. One of the reasons why Jesus asked them, where is your faith? Was because earlier in the day, he had healed people. He had set people free from bondage. And in the middle of a storm moment, his disciples forgot. They forgot what Jesus had done. And if you're in a storm season, I want you to pause right now and I want you to remember God's faithfulness in your life. The way he provided you a job when you didn't have the appropriate qualifications, the way that you were short one month but a refund check came in, the fact that someone blessed you in a way that was unexpected, that was just what you needed. Some of us, we need to rehearse the things that God has done, the ways that he has been faithful to us. We need to remember that. But if you're still struggling today, I want you to realize that the Savior within you is stronger than the storm that surrounds you. The Savior that is within you is stronger than the storm that surrounds you. I've said this again, and this is kind of my life burst right now. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. We can rely on Him. He is our confidence. Now I wanna pause here and I wanna talk a little bit about the different types of storms that we encounter. Some of the storms that we encounter are just life happening. This is when you step off the curb and you twist your ankle. This is when someone accidentally rear ends your car as they're in the parking lot. The second type of storm is a self-inflicted storm. This is when you decide to do a business deal with someone who does not have a good track record. For you young adults, you young adults, this is when you end up dating somebody who's not healthy for you. Now, I don't care how cute they are. I don't care how handsome he is or how beautiful she is. If she doesn't love Jesus and he doesn't treat his mom right, they're bad news. I mean, I hate to tell you this. And I don't firmly believe that missionary dating is a good idea. So I just wanna say, find someone in the church, someone that loves Jesus more than you. If you don't, you'll end up in a world of ruin. The third kind of storm is this. It's a spiritual storm. And in fact, Matthew 8 tells us that it was a furious storm. Mark chapter 4 tells us that it was a furious squall. This storm was a spiritual storm that came against Jesus and his disciples. And what did Jesus do in response to that? He rebuked the wind and the waves. Some of you have just regular run-of-the-mill storms. Others are self-inflicted. And for some of you, you're actually in a spiritual storm season. That's when one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, seems to go completely wrong. And this word that is translated for us as as rebuke is the same word that is used to describe what Jesus did to set people free from demonic possession. And I want to suggest to you that Jesus is here. He wants to say Rebuke to the enemy. He wants to say peace be still. He wants to say freedom. He wants to proclaim peace to you If I can offer a thought that will help us When it comes to peace is I want you to realize that peace is not a prayer request It's a person Peace is not a prayer request. It's a person We have to ask him to to be our peace. But not only is he the prince of peace, he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the wisdom you need in your mind, the peace in your heart, the joy in your spirit. He is exactly what you need and you can rely on him to proclaim peace over your situation. And I just want you to give him some praise today because he deserves the praise. He is the prince of peace and we can rely on him. The fourth and final step is to finish your journey Finish your journey Verse 26 tells us They, the disciples and Jesus, sailed to the region of the Gerasenes Which is across the lake from the Sea of Galilee I just want to pause here For those of you who are Bible historians, you know this Bible students, you know this That the area of the Gerasenes in that region were ten cities also known as the Decapolis. And in the, and in the Decapolis were people who were not Jews. They were Gentiles. They were people who did not know the, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They had not heard about the Messiah. And the furious storm that came upon the disciples and Jesus was to prevent him from getting to the other side. And here's the reason why. Verse 27 tells us, When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. The rest of verse 28 and even in verse 29, it talks about the conversation between Jesus and this man. But here's the hope that we have, believers. In verse 29, Jesus commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. And I'm here to tell somebody. Sometimes the storm that you face is not about you. Sometimes the storm you're facing is not about you. It's about someone else. It's about the person that is at your destination. Wherever God is leading you to, there's somebody there that needs to hear about Jesus. There's somebody that needs to be set free. There's somebody that needs to be healed. And sometimes we begin to think that the storm is about us. I want to suggest to you that someone's freedom is dependent on your faithfulness in the storm. Someone's freedom is dependent on your faithfulness in the storm. But I want to add a little bit of a parenthetical note because actually Matthew chapter 8 tells us that it wasn't just one man, but that it was two men. For some of you, the destination that God has for you there are dozens, if not hundreds, of people who need to hear about Jesus. And you have to finish your journey, church. You have to get where God is sending you. And if you're willing to do it, you will see him release his power into people's life. That you will see people experience his power in his presence. You'll see people get saved. You'll see people get healed. And we have to decide as believers that we're going to finish the journey that God has put before us. We must be willing to do that. But even more than that, another incentive for us to finish the journey is because our destiny is tied into the destiny of other people. You getting to your destiny impacts the destiny of other people. So don't get disappointed, discouraged, or derail. Fight your way through to your destiny. Fight through. Fight through. Fight for it. Fight for your family. Mark. 436 tells us this, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Now listen to this. There were also other boats with him. There are parents, there are people who are living in your home that need you to finish the journey. They need you to get to the destiny that God has for you. There are people who, who are relying on you to finish it. They won't get there unless you're willing to allow God to rise up within you and proclaim peace. Your kids need to see you struggle and they need to hear you say, I don't know how we're gonna make it, but I trust in God and I believe that his word is true and that he's gonna get us through and that you don't have to worry. You can have peace because he loves you and he loves me and he loves our family and you can rely on him. Our kids need to hear that from us. Your destiny is not just about you. It's about other people. Be willing to be faithful in the midst of that. And as I close, I wanna invite you to stand with me. I wanna invite you to stand. And I'm also gonna invite the prayer team to get ready for our prayer moment some of you may be saying, yes, pastor, I'm facing a storm. I don't know what to do. The very best step that you can take in your life is to invite Jesus into your life. The only way for him to have the power to proclaim peace over your situation is if you're willing to say yes to him. And some of you who are here, it's been, you've heard over years, months and years about who Jesus is. And you say, no, no, but right now you're in a storm season and you're desperate and you've never made a decision for Christ. In just a moment, we're gonna give you an opportunity to pray with one of our prayer team members and they're gonna partner with you and they're gonna pray with you and allow you to invite Jesus into your life so he can proclaim peace. And then they're gonna pray with you so that you can fully experience him in a powerful way. Others of you, you've known about Jesus and he's been in your life before. But somewhere along the line, you left him on the shore. It's been a long time since you've experienced him. God is here for you. And so at this time, I want to ask every head to bow and every eye to close. I want to give you a private audience with God. He's here, church. He's here. And if you're facing a storm and you need to fully experience God, and you need to invite him into your heart, maybe for the first time or maybe to recommit to him and you're desiring for God to release freedom in your life and to calm the storm, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, one, two, three. Yes, 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 we see you, we see you. With every eye closed, those of you who raise your hand, I want you to open your eyes and look at me. I wanna issue a challenge to you right now. I want you to take one final bold step. The Bible says that if we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. And what I want to invite you to do is I want you to step out of your seat, be courageous. Don't delay, step forward. A member of our prayer team will pray with you. They'll introduce you to Jesus. And then they'll pray that God will provide peace to you in your storm season. Don't delay, come now. For the rest of you, Some of you have been in a storm season. You already know Jesus. But what's happening in your own mind and heart is you need him to proclaim peace over your situation. You're desperate. You need him to do an amazing work. For others of you, you're facing a difficult circumstance. And it's not you, but it's someone that you love. There's somebody that you love in your life. And so if you're facing a storm, or somebody that you love is facing a storm, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, raise your hand. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a step forward and stand here at the altar. And as the team begins to As the worship team begins to worship, I want you to begin to reach out to the Lord. And I want you to ask God to create a breakthrough in your experience. Don't delay. Come forward. If you need a breakthrough or somebody in your family needs a breakthrough, let's discover together, church, the God who wants to proclaim peace over our storm.